On today's show, the Hawks go to Cleveland and lose by a lopsided margin in their final in-season tournament game of the 2023-24 season. We'll touch on all of what transpired, how it might inform the future, and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1599 of the Lofton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And I want to remind you at the top of the podcast, as I always do, to make us your first listen each and every day. And check us out anywhere you get your podcasts. Places like Apple and Spotify and YouTube. And again, anywhere you get your podcasts here at Lawton Hawks. It's our fourth show of the week already. Very busy time to be covering the basketball space. And hopefully you are enjoying the show. If you're a first-time listener, welcome aboard. And we'll dive right in now to what became a loss for the Hawks on the road. 128-105 to in Cleveland in their in-season tournament finale this year. They are now officially eliminated. That was going to be probably what was going to happen no matter what happened in this game. Um, in fact, now that we know the results, if the Hawks had won by 30, they would not have been actually able to advance. So they were kind of drawing dead coming into the night. But uh, still not a great performance from the Hawks on the whole. Their second straight loss. They're now 1-2 and two to begin this road trip, and they're now 8-9 and nine overall this season. Atlanta did lead this one by as many as 12 points in the first half, but were down by the time halftime arrived after they gave up a big run in the second quarter with DeAndre Hunter actually in the locker room. We'll come back to that later on in the show. And then they got second half and kind of just got beat up by 20 points in a half. They shot the ball terribly in the second half, and then defensively, it was really not a lot of fun. So anyway, big picture, a loss for the Hawks on the road. They were underdogs in this game to a pretty solid and good Cleveland team at relatively full strength. The Hawks, according to FanDuel, our friends over there, were four and a half point underdogs in this game. So obviously, they were not close to covering the spread. They certainly were not, quote-unquote, expected to win in this spot, especially without Jalen Johnson, who I think the sports books have not quite accounted for at quite the same level they probably should at this point. But anyway, a loss for the Hawks on this Tuesday. And as we always do here, we'll sort of talk about what transpired in the big picture, and then we'll sort of drill down as the podcast goes along. And broadly speaking, I would say this. This is a two-way loss for the Hawks. Um, Offense was poor. Defense was poor. But we'll start with the defense because that's, of course, the bigger problem area for the Hawks on the whole moving forward offensively, which we'll touch on in a second. The Hawks are going to be pretty good. I have no doubt about that. But defensively, they haven't been not great this entire season. And without Jalen Johnson, the problems are magnified. So ended up this game with a 126 defensive rating. For those of you that may not know what that means, that means the Hawks allowed 1.26 points per possession. That's a very, very bad number. It was also well over 130 until garbage time set in in the fourth quarter. So it was even worse until the very end of the contest. Cleveland shot 54% from the floor in this game. They had 64 points in the paint. The Hawks struggled in the half court. They struggled in transition in this game. They did only really one thing well defensively, and that was that they forced 17 turnovers from Cleveland. But um, that wasn't nearly enough to kind of offset all the stuff that the Cavs did well in this game. And honestly, the perimeter stuff for Atlanta defensively was simply atrocious. That's the word I'll use for tonight. I'm sure I'll talk about it more later on in the show, but it was a disaster. Anytime DeAndre Hunter left the court, he's kind of their only remaining quality defender on the wing right now. And it wasn't like they were awesome with with him on the court, but it was even worse when he, when he was off the floor in this game. The absence of Jalen Johnson is very big. As I, I think Hawks fans know more than most. Um, and I talked about this on the show uh, in the last couple days, that the Hawks are in even more dire straits defensively than offensively without Jalen Johnson. But the reality is, like guys have to execute better and pick up the slack because he's not going to be there for a while. And 
again, like Hunter is probably the only healthy non-center in the rotation that I would say is even an average individual defensive player. Maybe you could say Wes Matthews at this point, but he's still a 37-year-old who's not playing a ton of minutes. You know, Trey's improved a lot, but he's still not a great defender. DeJounte Murray, I've piled on a lot, but I think he's been pretty pretty struggling, pretty, pretty poor, I would say. Big picture in the last year and a half. AJ Griffin at this stage is pretty rough defensively. And Sadiq Bey has been like actively harmful and bad defensively this year. There's not really there's not really any way around that. It's been hard to watch at times if you enjoy defense like I do. Uh, and look, Donovan Mitchell is really good at basketball. He had 40 points tonight. And like that, some of that is just like a star being a star. And some of that's gonna happen in the NBA. But Cleveland's not a special offensive team by any means. And it was way too easy for Cleveland to score and score in bunches in this game. And uh, yeah, I would just say defensively, it was not good enough. The, the offense made this game more lopsided, but if you just said, okay, this is going to be what the Hawks do defensively in this game, you're not going to win very often giving up what, what they were able to give up to a Cleveland team that has a really good defense, and they're just kind of average offensively, and the Hawks were not able to get stops for any length of time after the first quarter, basically, in this one. Um, offensively, it fell off a cliff at different times in this game. They could not afford that, clearly, as I just talked about with, the, with how bad the defense was in this one. They ended up with about a 101 offensive rating. And <laughs> this Hawks team is not going to win very much or even be close to winning very much with that kind of production. So that's why I say it was a two-way loss. It was much more frustrating defensively in a lot of ways, but the offense was not good. And granted, Cleveland was number one in the league in defense last year. They haven't been quite that good this year, but now that they're back and kind of healthy and they've been really, really good Anytime they have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen playing together, which they did a lot in this game. So you faced a good defense in this game. There's no shame in kind of falling short of your normal baseline. But the Hawks also did not play well on offense all the way around. The wild thing is, the Hawks actually did very well in this game in the possession battle. Uh, For a team that lost by 25, or 23 points, I should say, um, you would expect them to be getting beat up in that category. But the Hawks ended up taking eight more shots than the Cavs and seven more free throws than the Cavs. If all you knew about the game was that, like, you're in a pretty good place, a pretty good recipe there, unless you shoot just terribly, which the Hawks did, by the way, and play bad defense, which the Hawks did in this game. But, yeah, the the bones were there on offense. The the shot-making was not. So they ended up this game with a 35% field goal mark and 13 of 44 from three. Those are really, really rough numbers. Everyone that listens to this podcast probably knows that. Of note, the Hawks were one of 12 on mid-range attempts. So anything outside of you know, floater range, anything outside of like 10 feet, I believe the Hawks were 14 to 56, which is uh, 25%. So yeah, you're going to lose. Um, second half, by the way, overall, 20% from the field after halftime, even at the end in like total garbage time. Quince and I talked about this after the game. I think he was right about this. They got good shots with the third unit and, and it didn't actually matter, but they missed those shots too. Like they just could not, they couldn't make a shot in the second half of this game. Um, in fact, they shot less than 31% from the floor in the last three quarters combined after being pretty decent in the first quarter. Only three guys shot 50% or higher, and two of them were centers in Capella and Okongwu. So um, Trey and DeJounte were 8 of 26 from combined from the floor. That's going to have you beat a lot if you're the Hawks. Um, 0 of 11 from the field from AJ Griffin and Wes Matthews on the bench in this game. So like up and down the roster offensively, outside of the centers, there just was not a lot to be uh, positive about on either end of the floor in this game. It's kind of crazy, like, Cleveland is basically elite in every single rim protection metric that you would see defensively, which is worth keeping in mind. But the Hawks just got nothing going to the rim. They were 11 of 21 at the rim in this game. That's very bad, both in frequency and in accuracy. And I did see some people talking about the Hawks being out-rebounded in this game, but just the raw numbers because Cleveland had more rebounds total than the Hawks did, which I get why people say that. But if you take one step deeper than that, Cleveland got more 
rebounds in the game because the Hawks missed so many shots. <laughs> they actually had pretty much the exact same rebound rate as Cleveland in this game. They just, which was pretty good on offense, not great on defense, but um, it was just that the Hawks could not make a shot, and the, and the Cavs made a lot of their shots. Um, the Hawks actually had a better turnover rate than the Cavs in this game. They took more free, free, free throws in, the, in this game and made 22 of 24 at the free throw line. So, like, a lot went reasonably well for Atlanta, except for the shooting columns. And uh, of all things being equal, the shooting column is the most important. So if you're going to shoot like that and have bad defense, it was a two-way loss, as I said before. You know, post-game, Cyrus talked about the fact that they just kind of they, they were not able to run enough in this game. And he's right, but the problem is you need to be able to run on offense as the Hawks are relying on that on some level, but you can't run on offense if you can't get stops. Uh, the way that people in the NBA talk about like taking the ball out of the rim – you don't want to have to do that, take the ball out of the net. Like You have to get stops to generate transition offense, and the Hawks were not able to do that on either end of the floor in this game. And look, they probably would have lost anyway, given how bad their defense was, but they obviously could not take the combination of this bad of shooting and this bad of defense that leads to a collapse and a 23-point loss in a game that they probably should have been more competitive in. So that's where we have it for now. I'll leave that sort of big picture alone. We'll, talk, we'll come back in a second talk about more about the uh, sort of the game flow, how this one unfolded in the middle of the game. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors and our partners, eBay Motors, and team of Galactic Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd, bringing some of the best fantasy basketball picks each week, all season long. Whether you're preparing for a daily draft or scouting waiver wire, every week we'll provide you with some players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's edition of eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. As always, there's a full list of guys to highlight from Josh, but because there's a hawk on the list, that's who we'll go with today, and that is, of course, Sadiq Bey. The big thing with Bay right now is that he's in line for a bigger role with Jalen Johnson on the shelf. He came into Tuesday's game averaging about 28 minutes a game, and that should only go up with Jalen Johnson out. He's not elite anywhere in face of basketball, but he does shoot threes and make them at a pretty high clip. He can score. He can rebound. Uh, also keeps the turnovers down, and free throw percentage is up. He, he's definitely just basically one of those across-the-board, very helpful fantasy players that is in line for a bigger role. And with usage going up, that is always what you want to highlight in the fantasy basketball world. And Josh Lloyd for Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your championships in fantasy all season long and eBay Motors does a lot about championship teams as well and they know that each player on that team is a perfect fit and has to be the case for your vehicle I'm on the road a lot for work and I'm going to Hawks games all the time all over the place and there have always been times when I've kind of needed to upgrade for my car or even just to fix a part or two to keep things running and on schedule eBay Motors is the best place to do all of that with over 122 million parts for your number one ride you can make sure that your car truck stays running smoothly and on time and on schedule brake kits LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your vehicle happens to need, eBay Motors will have it for you. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're actually burning rubber and not burning cash. Keep your ride or die alive right now at ebaymotors.com. That is ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusion supply. Okay, to the game flow in this one, and uh, the Hawks actually had a pretty good quarter in the first quarter of this game. It feels like it was a long time ago as I ever recorded this podcast, but Atlanta actually won the first quarter, and they started out pretty good in this one. They did give up some easy buckets in the early going, which was sort of a, a flag for what was to come. I thought Sadiq Bey was the culprit a few times, because when he was a low man, there was just no resistance there at all. Back cuts being wide open, and the Hawks have had really bad numbers all year long on giving up cuts for baskets, and that happened a lot in this game. There was a very funny possession from Clint Capella, who I, of course, um, defend regularly. He actually tried to go coast-to-coast coast in this game after getting a steal. It was very funny. He was over his skis on that one. Uh, I thought he might have been fouled, but still, it was kind of just hilarious to watch. But I thought he was actually very good in the first quarter beyond that play. Eight points, 
Um, going right at Jaron Allen, three rebounds. I think he had a block and a steal as well in the first quarter. I thought he played well. Um, rotationally, it was kind of the same as it was the other night when Jalen Johnson was first out. Um, it was A.J. Griffin and Bogey as the backup wings. It was Wes Matthews as sort of the uh, the, the third forward type um, alongside Sadiq Bey whenever Hunter was off the court. At least they tried to do that in this game. They weren't able to do that the, the entire time because Hunter got hurt. But Capella played a little bit longer than usual in the first quarter because he was playing better, I think, than usual. Um, but, like, you know, they had a couple nice runs, an 8-0 run in the, middle, in the middle of the quarter where Capella had actually blocked Max Struess on a fast break. It was a fairly even quarter. There was a three by Donovan Mitchell at the buzzer. There was about a 40-footer that went in. It was just kind of waved off after the uh, after, after a review. So the Hawks were up by four at the end of the first quarter. And actually, the Hawks went on a 12-2 run early in the second quarter to take a 12-point lead. That was Bay's best rush of the entire game. He had a couple of uh, nice plays on offense, hit a three. Um, I thought Trey was very good in that stretch as well. Um, but that was basically the end of the optimism for Atlanta in this game. Um, immediately response from Cleveland, an 8-0 run. The Hawks tried his own defense did not did not work at all. Allowed some threes there. It was one bad break when actually it, it appeared that Max Struess double dribbled pretty obviously. It wasn't called, and he made a three on that possession. And then a big swing in the game, and like some of this is some of this. I want to emphasize is maybe coincidental because it was so bad so fast. But DeAndre Hunter tried to break a fall with his hand, and he landed on the floor, and uh, very obvious it was injured right away. So it was his right hand. The Hawks figured out during halftime that it was a right pinky finger dislocation. Ironically, the exact same wording and injury that he suffered about three weeks ago on November 4th in New Orleans. He came back into the game in that spot and got a lot of praise from Snyder that night in a win over New Orleans. Same tonight, Snyder went out of his way again to praise Hunter and how tough he's being how tough he's being and competitiveness and all that stuff. I think that's worth noting that Hunter came back and a lot of guys would not have come back in either one of these games. But that happened with about halfway through the second quarter of this, of this game. He went straight to the locker room. The Hawks were up 10 when the play happened. And then immediately, I mean, absolutely, actually immediately, 17-2 run by the Cavs to go from Hawks up 10 to Hawks down 5, and they never let again in the game. Again, I'm not saying that was the reason why the Hawks lost this game, but they were up 10 when it happened, and they ended up losing this game by 23 points. So, kind of wild. Um, down the stretch, like, there were some really ugly moments. Like, they were disoriented, they were disorganized. Um, Mitchell got loose for the first time there, at least a lot in that in that stretch. There was actually a possession out of a timeout where the Hawks got just nothing going and kind of being a shot clock heave by Bogey. They were just really kind of messy at the end of the first half. Um, mercifully got into the halftime break, only down by three points because defensively they were pretty sound early on. They kind of got, kind of let up and then offense they got cold. But yeah, a lot of that was uh, kind of what the precursor was to the second half in a lot of ways. Offensively, they were a little bit better early on in the third in the third quarter and they actually got the lead down to six at one point. Because uh, they got some stops showing together. Hunter had a nice play through contact once he came back into the game. I thought Trey, passing-wise, did some nice things in that third quarter. But the Cavs scored 11 points in the final two minutes of the third quarter. And the defense, especially when Hunter's off the floor. Again, I talked about it earlier, but I'll say it again now. When Hunter left the court, defensively, it just got to be untenable. Uh, it was really kind of hard to watch. They were down 20 by the middle of the fourth quarter. They got waxed defensively early in that fourth. They scored four minutes, sorry, four points in four minutes as well in the fourth quarter at one point when they were actually able to get some stops. They couldn't cut into the lead. And then there was a run of technical fouls, about four or five minutes to go. Uh, Hunter and Murray both got teed up back-to-back on the same possession. And uh, that was basically immediately when Snyder took, was out of, took them out of the game in uh, way of the white flag. So they were, already, they, were, they were down like 20. It was over at that point, but it was a pretty quick hook from Snyder, which I actually thought was probably the right decision in a lot of ways. But immediately it was Trent Forrest and Garrison Matthews and A.J. Griffin and Wes Matthews and Bruno Fernando. So 
no fooling around there. They went straight to the third, to basically the third unit, and then a look ahead to Thursday. So, yeah, I mean, there were there were encouraging stretches. Like I have observations on a lot of players in this game, how they performed. But again, big picture, I think the perimeter defense was the single biggest problem, followed by in this particular game shot making. And the shot making is just like, that's what happens in the NBA sometimes. You have bad, you have bad shot making nights. The Hawks are still, even with this game factored in, a top five offense for the season. Um, I have almost no concerns offensively. Yeah, um, being without Jalen does hurt on offense in a couple of areas, especially when it comes to transition and also when it comes to like passing. But the Hawks have enough offensive, offensive talent around the team to where I'm not worried about it. Like, would it be better off with Jalen? Sure it would be. But I think this is this can still be a top five-ish offensive team even without Jalen Johnson. The problem is defensively, it is hard to see a path for Atlanta to be even average without Jalen Johnson. Um, it's it, it's already going to be kind of tough for the Hawks to be solid with Jalen Johnson defensively because they have some so many, so many other issues. But and I'm not trying to make Jalen Johnson sound like sound like he's like this evolutionary dominant first team All NBA defender because he's not that just yet at this point in time. But it's the guys who are replacing him, which I talked about a lot earlier this week and over the weekend, etc. But if you're just listening to this podcast now after a frustrating loss, it's really a, it's a, it's a talent issue, it's a execution issue. Like for instance, and we'll talk about Sadiq Ben more in a second. I don't mean to, I don't mean to point him out in, individually. They got a lot of questions about that after the game. Sadiq Bey is not like you know totally untalented defensively. He's he's got some physicality. He's pretty strong. But the combination of his lack of quickness and also his lack of attentiveness is stark. Like, it, it's kind of a combination of a lot of things with the Hawks right now. You know, you have some guys who are physically limited, whether it be Trey Young for size perspective, whether it be Bogey or Bay, just side-to-side movement-wise. Um, there's, the, there's those issues. And then you have guys like, you know, AJ Griffin's not the best athlete in the world either. Then you have guys who are just less attentive, like, you know, your Bays, your your Murrays sometimes, etc. Like, it's kind of a all-over-the-place problem. And, you know, I've joked about it a lot in the last couple of years, but the center spot's fine defensively, and basically everything else at the moment, aside from DeAndre Hunter, and who's, who's not like a superhero either, he's just a pretty good defender, he's not like this game changer, everything else is kind of a mess. And I, don't, I don't mean to paint a dire picture, but that was kind of on full display on this night. So, anyway, I'll leave it there for now on the big picture game stuff, and in a second we'll talk more about the individual players and how they all performed, and if you are not familiar with this, uh, with, with this on the podcast, I always, at the end of the podcast, talk about how each guy in the rotation played in the game. Some observations, some of the stats, um, positives, negatives, etc. Before we get to that, though, we're with more sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder, the NBA and NFL offers stay hot at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're a new customer at FanDuel, get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 in your pocket if your team wins. We all have the awesome perks of signing up with FanDuel right now. They have all the stuff you're looking for across the sports betting space. They have point spreads, of course, and over-unders and money lines. They have player props. Same game parlays, they have futures, they have live betting, it's all there for you. And the app is safe and secure, they cover the entire range of sports as well. They have the NFL and the NBA, of course, but other stuff like college football and college basketball and golf and tennis, soccer, auto racing, boxing, MMA, and more. And there's always, always, always options around the Hawks as well with regard to the game. Let's just say, for instance, on Thursday in San Antonio, they'll have pregame lines, they'll have live odds. When the game starts, they'll have player props, game props, and more. And now is the best possible time to join up with the folks at FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and check out the official sports partner of the Lockdown Podcast Network with an offer that you absolutely will not want to miss. One more time, that is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, and to the player-by-player portion of this podcast, not a ton of positivity 
incoming. I will just warn you about that right now. Um, there were three guys who played only in garbage time. It was Bruno Fernando, Garrison Matthews, and Trent Forrest. Not too much to add there. Um, I will say, it wouldn't be the worst idea for the Hawks to try Trent Forrest. I, I do think that Trent Forrest is probably their second best available perimeter defender right now, beyond DeAndre Hunter. That's an unfortunate reality. The problem is, Forrest is so small that he doesn't really change like their fortunes. Like I think he is better than the guys they have on the perimeter. What they actually need is a guy who's forward-sized. But anyway... Um, they do like Trent Forrest, it's just that he's um, limited offensively, we'll say. Um, to the guys who actually played in this one, A.J. Griffin had a rough night. So, 0 of 8 from the floor, 0 of, 0 of 4 from 3, 0 points for A.J. Griffin. One rebound, um, no foul, uh, sorry, one foul, no turnovers. Um, I think he was not as bad as those numbers indicate. But look, we're, we're still at the point with, with A.J. right now where if he doesn't make shots, he is not helping you because his defense is below average. Um, you know, he's not playing a ton right now. It's obviously been kind of a lost season so far for AJ. I'm not panicking on, on him like long term, but he's on the outskirts of the rotation. And I think he's just he's maybe pressing a little bit. And then, un- unfortunately, right now, they need him to play minutes. He's going to have to play in this stretch. And uh, the pressure's on him a little bit. And defensively, it's a little bit shaky. And then, well, the shots don't fall. The shots don't fall. And you're left with kind of what, what was there tonight from AJ. So, uh, still, like, still a fan of AJ's game, big picture, but he struggled tonight. Um, Wes Matthews. 16 minutes, uh, did not score three points, sorry, three rebounds, two assists for Wes, plus one, actually, in his minutes. Um, you know, Wes Matthews is kind of the same story as you might expect, but I think he helps him defensively. He is not someone who's going to be a stopper for you against guards. Like, this is a bad matchup for him in a lot of ways. Wes Matthews trying to chase around Garland and Mitchell is not playing to his strengths. He is physical and strong and kind of like old man strong against big wings. But, um, again, he's I know he's 6'5", but he's really more of a combo forward than anything else right now. Like he's not—he's not really built to chase ground guards. So, I do believe that he is their best forward wing defender, other than other than other than Hunter. So, like they're trying to keep him with Sadiq Bay, which I think is the right decision defensively because when Hunter comes off the floor, they gotta have somebody there that can kind of organize and be physical. But Wes is still limited. Like he's 37 years old. Like they can't expect him to play 30 minutes a night. They're not gonna have him do that. But I thought he actually gave them okay minutes, despite the fact that he's 0-3 from three. Um, but look, he, offensively, he's very limited. Like as much as I like Wes Matthews, and I, he's, he's kind of my kind of player, he's not going to help you a ton offensively. He's got to make threes, and that's kind of it for him. He took all three shots from three, from three in this game. Uh, he'll move the ball, but uh, yeah, we'll leave it there for now. Uh, Akongwu, I thought was pretty good. Thirteen, re- sorry, thirteen points, nine rebounds, two assists. He was uh, at twenty-two minutes, four away from the floor, one of one from three. Lost ran a play for him from three-point range. especially his fourth three of the season. He's not made a ton of threes so far. I think he's like four of twenty or something like that this year. But they're letting him do it. They're calling plays for that. I kind of, I kind of like that approach. Kind of ha- have him be eased in. I thought the Hawks might try a Kongwu and Capella in this game, and they and they did not do it. it would, I thought it would have been a good chance to go ahead and try that against a big unit like Mobley and Allen, but they didn't do it in this game. I don't know when they will again. They did it once this year so far, plus preseason a little bit. But um, I think that's that's another that's another option. Not that it was a cure all, but if they're looking for defensive minded solutions. Playing more of a Kong with the four might be the, might be a good scenario in some ways. Like at, offensively, will you have some challenges with Capella and a Kongwu? Yes, but defensively, a Kongwu has has the mobility on the perimeter that you probably need, and uh, he's just a much better defensive player than a lot of your other guys on the perimeter. But I thought he was pretty good in this game. In fact, I might argue he he probably had the best game either here either here he or Capella. Ironically, had the best games um, at the same position. But uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, Bogey was okay, eighteen points. On 16 shots, took 10 threes, um, had six rebounds, two steals. Um, it was more of just 
defensively, he was really rough. Offensively, he was one of their best players, um, despite the fact that he missed 10 shots. But I thought he at least gave them a lot of threat offensively. Just defensively, he was a little bit shaky. But he had 18 points to lead all scorers for Atlanta. Uh, to the starters in this one, um, Sadiq Bey, on the stat sheet, 14 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 steals for Sadiq Bey. He actually, he actually was the only guy other than the centers to make more than half of his shots, 5 away from the floor. I thought he was really bad in this game. Um, he did make shots, which is helpful, and I think Bay his value does come mostly as a shooter and a floor spacer and someone who can get to the rim a little bit with some bully ball. But, man, defensively, he was, I thought, pretty glaringly their worst player on the floor in this one defensively. Maybe you could say Griffin and his limited minutes, but uh, Bay was really rough defensively. Um, back cuts, falling asleep, not executing. And, like, when he's dialed in, it doesn't look bad. It's just that um, I don't know if it's mental processing or what it is, but he, he gets beat so much and, ro- and rotates and misses rotations and, and also, like, physically limited in terms of spacing. So uh, I don't want to pile on a guy who, like, n- he was not the only one. I'll be very honest about that. It was not a one-person issue. But thought he was probably the epitome of the issues in this game because defensively he just could not give any answers and offensively he made some shots, but um, he was one of the only guys that did. But man, he struggled. I thought in this one, um, DeAndre Hunter, kind of a weird game. Like I mentioned before, he left the game for a while, came back in. It's his right hand, but it's his pinky, so we'll see. Um, he's, he didn't miss any time the first time around, so that's a good sign. But 18 points for Hunter in 26 minutes, um, one of six from three, but was actually four of six on twos. Um, got to the line seven times, although he played aggressively. I thought Hunter was pretty good, honestly. Um, he wasn't great, like nobody was, defensively on the perimeter, but I thought he gave them their best minutes. They were better when he was on the court. I know they got beat by 18 when he was on the court, but it doesn't really matter. I thought he was competitive in this one, and I think Snyder talked about that. Went out of his way to kind of talk about how positive he was about Hunter in this game, and I agree with that. He was playing tough, and in general, he's been pretty good the last like week or so. Um, from there... Capella, I thought, was good in the first half. Not as good in the second half. Like, a lot of guys weren't. 14 points, 9 rebounds, 2 steals, 2 blocks. I thought he played fairly well. Like, I don't have, I don't have a ton to add. I thought he was better than Jared Allen in their first stretch together. Um, but, you know, he cooled off like everybody else did in the second half. DeJounte Murray, I thought, man, he, he's really not playing very well right now. Like, he had... This, and they all count. I'll be very clear about that, too. They all count. But his early season stretch, he was playing really well. It got to the point where I still can't believe this happened, honestly. It got to the point where I was hearing from Hawks, like a lot of Hawks fans, saying that he was the best player on the team. And I just could not understand that viewpoint. I never have understood that. Like, Trey is very obviously the best player, and that's kind of always been the case. But, um, you know, Jonte kind of had an unsustainably hot start shooting wise, and he's regressed a little bit. The last four games, he is 17 of 62 from the floor. That does coincide, as I said, I actually said this on Sunday's show as well, but if you missed that one, he got banged up a little bit um, exactly four games ago and was listed on the injury report with a right quad contusion, and exactly at that point was when this little swoon began. So he might be banged up. I will certainly account for that, but I thought he played very poorly in this game. Offensively, 13 points, yes, but had one assist in the game. Um, Processing-wise, just like making some weird weird decisions, not running the offense. When Trey left the floor offensively, the Hawks really sputtered. Um, and then defensively, you know, you would hope that Murray could give you good minutes on either Garland or Mitchell or both, and it, that just did not happen in this game. I think defensively, he's probably been better this year on the whole than he was last year because I, th- I thought it was very bad last year by his standards. But, like, he's not giving them what they're needing on defense. And I think I'll stop here and just say the Hawks just need more from a few individual players right now defensively. Um, and that is, I would highlight Murray and Bay above all because of the roles. Because Murray and Bay are going to play 
a lot. Obviously, Bay is in line for 30-plus minutes per game right now without Jalen Johnson, and obviously Murray's going to play a lot no matter what. They just have to have those guys play better defense. But, I mean, that's not it's not just them. They need more from AJ. They need more from a lot of different guys, and you can't fix Jalen Johnson's problems. But you have to get more from, especially from DeJounte and, and Bay, because they're, they're, they're core pieces. You know, Murray's already signed long-term. Bay, they traded a bunch of stuff for. They have to have more from those guys, and that included tonight. And then Trey, as we always, well, mo- not, I would say always, mostly end with Trey, usually. Um, 13.10 10 assists for Trey. He had a bad shooting night. He was maybe due for one. He had, I think, three or four good ones in a row before this. He was 3-14 from the floor, uh, one of six on twos, two of eight from three. I thought he actually passed the ball like very well at times in this one, but just did not make shots. And I said it before, but the Hawks are not going to win very often when Trey and DJ are, I believe, eight of 28 from the floor. That's a losing recipe for this Hawks team. So, yeah, it was rough. I'll leave it there for now. Like, I, I don't think the sky is falling. I, I've seen a lot of, you know, typical negativity about this loss, and I get it. I, I, they did not play well at all. Um, they played a good team, and, you know, the advancement, I talked about this a little bit today, and, of course, the people were, were sort of responding to this after the game was over, but a lot of the advanced metrics, your EPMs, your Synergy Sports metrics, um, cleaning the glass, all kind of paint a better picture of this Hawks team right now than the 800 and I'm actually on that side. Does that mean that everything is perfect? No, it does not. And look flat out, the Hawks are worse without Jalen Johnson. Like there's no way around that. And I think nationally, because Jalen's not been like fully established yet in his season, in his third season, that will sort of get overlooked, I would imagine, in some circles. But if you're if you're a, a regular Hawks watcher, you will know that even if I think that some people some people are maybe overrating Jalen as a as a player today compared to his upside long term, he definitely helps them. And being without him really hurts, especially with their current situation. So, like, all that should be baked in. But they didn't play well tonight. It's a bad loss. It's not a, you know, it's a bad performance, I should say. It's not even a bad loss. Like, if they just played a B, if they had played a C-plus game, they would have lost by 10 instead of 25. Is that better? I don't know. I guess it is. But, uh, anyway, we'll leave it there for now. Looking ahead, briefly. The Hawks continue their road trip on Thursday evening. They will play um, the Spurs and Victor Wimanyama on Thursday. Uh, San Antonio has lost 12 games in a row, and they have the worst record in the, in the Western Conference right now. So that's uh, it's still a road game, and the Spurs have three days off before that game, so the Hawks might get their best shot, but that is one that is winnable. And as, as I said before, I know people don't love this answer and this sentence, but the Hawks have only lost to one, one bad team this year, and it was Charlotte in the season opener. If they lose to San Antonio Thursday, that would become two. <laughs> but um, and I won't say anything's a must win, nothing like that. But um, that's again, they certainly would like to win, I would imagine. Uh, also from there at the end of the podcast, the Hawks will find out soon enough when they will play two more games on their 82 game regular season schedule. So some folks have asked why the Hawks have a hole in their schedule between December 2nd and December 11th, and the answer, the short version, is that that's because of the NCAA tournament, which the Hawks are now eliminated from. If they had made the quarterfinals, they would have played in that you know bracket during that time. But now the league has to schedule two more games for all 22 teams that did not make the quarterfinals, which of course includes the Hawks. One of them will be on the road. One of them will be at home. They'll be on December 6th and December 8th. We don't know as I record this podcast which one is which or where the games are or who they're going to play. All of that is up for um, the league to decide. Um, you may even know by the time you listen to this podcast. It could be announced as soon as tonight. I don't know exactly. I've, I've actually tried to ask what the timeline is going to be. But 
At the very least, they have to wait until the in-season tournament field is set. And as I record this podcast at about 11.30 p.m., that has not happened yet. So keep that in mind. At some point, either on Twitter or on this podcast or on Patreon, I will write about, at least quickly write, reference where the Hawks will be playing on those two games. But December 6th and December 8th will be Hawks games. They'll be regular season games. They will count in the standings. And I don't know who, who they're going to play or where they're going to play at this point in time. Okay, that's all I have on this game and also looking forward again. PSA, the next, the next podcast will be after the game on Thursday. Unless something happens Wednesday that will uh, command attention, but the plan will be for a show after the game on Thursday because this is, again, already the fourth show of the week as of Tuesday night. But as a final PSA for our new listeners or folks who might have not heard this recently, there is some extra bonus audio content in the audio-only feeds of this podcast. If you're subscribed to the show on Apple or Spotify or Google Podcasts or Overcast, you will see some bonus postcast shows from the folks at the Lawton Podcast Network also a lot on Sports Atlanta. Um, that's just bonus content, uh, no, no less for me. But if you are uh, into the Hawks, as I'm sure you will be able to listen to this podcast, there's just more to listen to there from folks at Lawton Sports Atlanta. And then also, I encourage you, to, as, encourage you as I always do, I should say, to subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. All those audio places, like I just mentioned, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, auto-download there, five stars, nice comments, nice reviews, all of that is appreciated. Also, subscribe to the show on YouTube and like the podcast and uh, click the you know the notification bell, all that stuff. Um, share it. Tell a friend about the podcast as well. I know. In fact, I am 100% confident in this. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know a Hawks fan or two or three or four that do not listen to this podcast regularly. If you do, if that is you, share the podcast with them. If they don't like it, that's okay. But have them give us a chance. I very much appreciate that. And help us to spread the word on social media, etc. Follow the show on Twitter slash X at Lots on Hawks. Follow me there as well at BT Roland. I'm also on Blue Sky. I'm on Threads occasionally. Um, I'm trying to get out there as much as I possibly can. Also, I write about the Hawks at patreon.com slash BT Roland. That is patreon.com slash BT Roland. And with all that said, thank you as always for listening to the podcast, everybody. I really do appreciate all the support all the time. One more PSA. I'll be back after the game on Thursday, and we'll see you all later on in the week.